Hey everybody, welcome back to the Practitioner's Podcast, where we're applying Jesus-style disciple-making to everyday life. This episode and all of our episodes are powered by Navigators Church Ministries, which focus on helping churches make disciples who can make disciples. For more information or to get connected, check out navigatorchurchministries.org. Good afternoon, Justin. Hello, hello, Tony. How are we doing? You know, it's hard for me to believe that this is the second to last episode of the season. I'm starting to get emotional about it. I'm getting a little weepy. How are you feeling about it? It's hard to put into words all my feelings around this. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. I can't believe that. I'm with you, though. I can't believe that we're at 29 today. 29 today. And, uh, you know, obviously we do 29 and then episode 30 and then we're done for the season. And uh, we still have a lot to pray about if we're going to come back next season. It may just be a two season show. We don't know. You never know. It'd be a cliffhanger, I'm sure. The best way to make sure that you know if we come back is to hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes or Spotify, leave a rating or review. Really does go a long way to share about what God is doing on the platform. So, uh, random question of the day. You got one for us? I do. All right. Here's the question If you could uninvent something, mm. what would you uninvent? I kind of jokingly want to say the designated hitter because I hate that rule in baseball, but that's uh-huh. too, a little too niche. So instead, I'm okay. going to say the cell phone. I wish we could uninvent the cell phone because I'm I'm tired of having it all the time, even though I love it. And I, I, I yeah. have a like I just have a very like a mixed relationship with it. So, yes, cell okay. phone. That's what I would say. What about you? Yeah, so mine is similar. I would probably say the internet, which is a lot of the same reasons, like with the cell phone, the pervasive connectivity, et cetera, et cetera. But maybe maybe I'm more feeling like Wi-Fi, maybe. Maybe that's what really what I think. Because I don't think I'd mind the internet if it was like early internet where you had to like be connected by wires that one yeah aol (laughs) that's right yeah that one so let me ask you this let me ask you this how many tabs do you have open on your internet browser right now right now uh five five okay 14 that could have been a random question we could have used that for next episode well here we are and now we get to jump into one of my favorite conversations did you see how i just blew past that <laughs> i yeah i noticed that's okay um and, and today we're going to answer the question what are we multiplying now this if if you missed episode uh, 28 of this season it's the episode right before this one you might want to go back and listen to it because last week we talked about multiplication versus addition so when we talk about addition and multiplication justice justin kind of break that down for us So yeah, last time we talked about addition, right? So just bringing people to faith versus multiplication, raising up new disciple makers who can then go and do the same. Um, And we we looked at the different ways that it scales, right? So addition, while at first glance, it feels like it's going a lot faster, multiplication actually wins in the long run by a lot. So Yeah, and it's so important to understand that we are called to be multipliers as disciple makers. 
And today we're going to dive into a little bit more about who we're multiplying and specifically new disciples. Now, when we think about the idea of new disciples, what we're talking about are converts, people who are coming into the faith for the very first time. Justin, can you kind of root us in some scripture about where we find this? Yeah, so uh, one of the big scriptures that come to mind for me is uh, Luke 19.10, where Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And so that's Jesus really identifying the reason that he's here. The reason that he came to earth was to seek and to save what was lost. The, uh, the people who don't know him, the people who are separated from God, separated from the kingdom, who have been, you know, if we get into a gospel narrative around it, uh, have been buried by the weight of their sin mm. and have no way to access a relationship with Jesus. Jesus came to change that. And the disciples too then, and us today, that is our mission, is to expand the kingdom of God all over the earth so that all everybody knows the, the opportunity that we have to know Jesus, to follow him, and to be changed by him um, for all of eternity. I love that. And, and kind of uh, the term that we have for this is what we call three-dimensional momentum, right? And, and it's this idea that momentum is always going to move outward towards a loss, inward towards the church, and downward in the life of the individual believer, right? So outward toward the lost, inwards towards the church, and downward in the life of the believer. Yeah, absolutely. And I think really, as we think about what are we multiplying, it's three things. And really that three-dimensional momentum, I would put as one of those three things, New disciples or converts would be another of those three things. And the third one is new disciple makers, which we've talked a lot about in the past, not only in in season one, but also season two, that it's not enough just to make disciples. We need to make disciple makers. But Tony, one of the things that that I think you and I have both found um, in the church and even amongst disciple makers and disciple making ministry is that sometimes the disciple making is only happening with other people who are already uh, Christians. They're already they already know about Jesus. Right, they're already yeah. following Jesus. And really, the the difference that disciple making is make makes in those people's lives is the downward momentum in the life of that individual believer, um, because they are deepening their relationship with Him. They're growing in obedience, and then hopefully they're moving outwards to help others but they typically move outwards to help others with other believers first. Now, it doesn't mean they stop there, although some do, but normally that's kind of where they start uh, in disciple making. And that's one of the dangers, I think, in disciple making ministry is that the, the vision for the lost, the heart for the lost ends up being lost mm. and they don't actually get to uh, those that Jesus came to seek and to save. Yeah, I I think one of the things that happens is as Christians, we become super insulated and we also become super center focused, like me focused, right? And so the downward part of our individual believer is something that we always want to work on. And we want to help people, especially in, in my tradition, the Methodist tradition, we love to talk about sanctification, which is great, right? It's this idea of becoming more like Christ. And when we make disciples, we're helping people become more like Christ. But sometimes I think we leave that a little bit short. So 
Mm-hmm. Let, let me give you a great example. I was working with a pastor not too long ago, and we were talking about this idea about disciple-making, and I challenged him and asked him who he was spending time with that was a non-Christian. Because that, that's a really good way to evaluate if you're going to multiply any new converts, any new disciples, people who don't even know Christ. It starts with evangelism, right? Are you in places, spaces that non-Christians hang out? Do you have any friends um, that are non-Christians? One of the questions that you asked me once that was really profound several years ago is, are you being invited anywhere by non-Christians? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a really good judge if you've got friends who are who are in that world. So then that's evangelism. And then once they come to Christ, then it's our job to walk with them as they learn how to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking to this pastor about this very concept and his response to me was um was a little sad but not surprising. He said, "Tony, I'm just I'm too busy working in the church to be around non-believers." Hmm. And what's so striking about that is that the entire reason the church exists is to reach non-believers, right? So it's it's kind of like it's this weird conundrum that pastors often find themselves in. Hey, the church exists to reach the lost, and yet yeah. we can't find anybody who doesn't know Christ because we're spending all of our time in the building. Right. Yep. And I think, Tony, it's not just pastors. I'm thinking of a, a conversation I had with a church leader who was a everyday sort of guy. He worked in uh, a corporation of some nature. And I was talking to him about this same idea of, well, who are the lost people that you are loving on? Who are you spending time with? And he just kind of shook his head and he said, I don't have time for that. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, I get home from, from work at five, you know, close the garage have dinner, see my family for a little bit. And then I'm off to church three nights out of the week. Mm. And I don't have time to, in the other nights of the week, I'm cutting grass or I'm doing this or that. I don't have time uh, to pursue or to spend time with lost people. And that was, again, just kind of the same thing that you're saying with pastors. And, you know, I've had pastors tell me the same thing you were saying. And I, I asked them, I said, well, what do you think Jesus would say to you? if you were telling him what you were telling me. Uh, and I, I, and I asked that in the even, I mean, it sounds kind of like a harsh question. I mean, it's a hard question. Let's not get around that, but yeah, sure. But I wanted him to see that this reality that he accepted as okay and normal was probably something different from that. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that happens is, is that we forget that Jesus styled disciple making is a disciple-making vision that reaches the lost. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's a disciple-making vision that reaches those that aren't yet here, that reaches the, those that that are out there on the fringes of life, that it's it's part of it. You know, when, when we think about Matthew 28, for example, and we go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Well, we're not going to get to all nations if we're stuck in our same community. Right. Yeah. And when you came to Dayton, you had an incredible vision about what God was calling you to as far as your ministry here with the with uh, Navigators Church Ministries. I, I, you know, this is a great time to share that vision and how it's kind of come to play out through uh, a couple that you and I both know. Yes, Tony. So one of the things that was really 
deeply on my heart was this idea of not only reaching the lost, but that churches would become healthy so that they are sending people out to the lost, not only in their neighborhood and their workplaces, but beyond to the places of the world where uh, many people live and die without even knowing personally a, a someone that follows Jesus. And, you know, in one of the churches, I pray for the churches that I'm working with specifically, although, as well as globally. Um, but one of them, I was praying that uh, God would raise up someone to go to the nations. Hmm. And I pray that for the all the church I work with. But there was one family and one couple that that over a period of about two years started to discern a call as they began to make disciples and grow in their faith that God was calling them to reach Indians. Um, and so they took a survey trip to India. They continued to learn about what it meant to um, to minister to Indian people. And then they moved. They moved from our area locally and they moved to kind of the the Dearborn, Michigan for Indians. So Dearborn, if you know of Muslim ministry, Dearborn is the highest collection of Muslims outside the Muslim world. And in North Carolina, there's a place for uh, Indian people that is really kind of kind of the mirror of that. It is where a lot of them have, have yeah. moved and reside. And they're now there reaching uh, the Indian people. They might be listening to, to us now, which is kind of funny, but hello if you are. Um, and so that's the idea, right? Is we want people to have a vision, not just for their church and disciple making, but a vision for how they are going to be a part of reaching the nations from wherever they are. Yeah. And one of the things that happens is, is when we decide to own the vision of reaching the nations, when we decide to own the vision of reaching out to the lost, what ends up happening is not only does the person who we're discipling change, but we change as well, right? Because obviously when I'm discipling someone who's in the church, there's a conversation there that begins with a very similar language. It begins with the same similar culture, right? When I'm discipling somebody who's new to the faith, right? Uh, my dear friend, Zach, for example, he came to the faith and then I immediately started discipling him. Now that relationship started because of a connection with his spouse and the church. But when he came into my office, he, the very first time he was a pro self-proclaiming atheist, hmm. right? And hmm. so then that journey of faith walked in with him. And what, what became so profound is that I was able to sh disciple him after Jesus in a way that had no church baggage with it, right? And so it was a different way for me to disciple someone because I was starting from a different place. The, the kind of the apologetics of it all are, are different. The language is different. The understanding is different. So, you know, when I'm discipling somebody who doesn't know, who's never known Christ, you got to start with things like, okay, here's Jesus, right? And, and you kind of start at the very beginning. You know, there are 66 books in the Bible. Here's what it means. Here's the Old Testament and the New Testament. And here's why numbers in Leviticus are hard. And, you know, we, you know we're having those conversations that are, are so much more foundational. But the good news is, is that when you're the one who's building the foundation, it becomes a little easier. So here, here's a great example. My man, Zach, is a, a rock star at Scripture Memory. Mm, right. Mm -hmm. And, and so he was memorizing scripture and it was great and wonderful. And all of a sudden he, he got really down on himself. He was like, man, I only know about 10, 10 verses of scripture. And, and I was like, dude, that's incredible. He's like, but I bet everybody in the church knows a lot more than that. <laughs> right. 
And at that yep. moment, I had a choice to make as a disciple maker. <laughs> and I, I was like, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I, t- I took right. a very passive response. But it's because it's because he doesn't have the church baggage that says, I'm just a consumer in the church. He doesn't he doesn't know that there's a, a tendency to lean that way, if that makes sense. So him being yeah. a new believer changed the way that I discipled. Right. and. The other beautiful thing about that is he looks at you as the norm, right? Just as children look at their parents as kind of, they just assume that's normal, whatever that thing is, and they just do it and roll with it. And the same thing with new believers that, you know, they tend to just look at the person that's investing most closely in them and view that as normal and extrapolate that out to everybody else. And so they say, well, yeah, I bet lots of people know way more than 10 in the church. I mean, I only know 10. Um, but he's not yet familiar with what the unfortunate normal is in most churches. And so that's an awesome story. But that idea, right? What are we multiplying? What is the fruit of disciple-making ministry? Uh, I think it's new disciples, right? We have to be making converts, new disciple-makers. And then that three-dimensional momentum that Jesus-style disciple-making produces. And the beautiful thing about that momentum is that it moves so freely across all sorts of boundaries, right? Whether it's social, racial, economic, or political, the gospel and that momentum that Jesus-style disciple-making produces moves through all of it and can reach people wherever they are. Tony, what else do you have to say? Or maybe we're ready for our takeaway and action step. Well, I I think before we jump into that, there's one more thing I wanted to say, not surprising to you, I'm sure, that I had another thought. (laughs) And it's around this. We oftentimes talk about what it looks like to have a more diverse church. And and this is a conversation that I have with pastors regularly. If you want a more diverse church, the first thing that we have to do is make a commitment to Jesus-style disciple-making, multiplying and reaching the loss, because churches attract the communities that they're in and the styles that people are comfortable to. Disciple making mm-hmm. is relational and um, can cross boundaries freely with that momentum that you spoke of. So if we if we talk about diversity in the church, it really begins at an individual disciple making kind of relationship level, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, why don't you hit us with that takeaway and action step there, Justin? All right, so our takeaway. Uh, is this Jesus-style disciple-making will always move out toward the lost, in towards the church, and downward in the life of the individual individual believer. Again, Jesus-style disciple-making will always move out toward the lost, in toward the church, and downward in the life of the individual believer. And then our action step, where are you positioning yourself to reach unbelievers? Where are you positioning yourself to reach unbelievers? Guys, thank you so much for being here today. We so, so, so appreciate being on this mission with each and every one of you. Hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a rating or review on Spotify or iTunes. And hey, the best compliment you can give us, share this episode with a friend. One more left in the season. We're thankful for you and can't wait to connect next week.